Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to Straight Talk Wrestling. And I got another great one in the can, man. This one is awesome. Someone I'm very excited to sit down with. You know, whenever we're on Straight Talk, we big up MLW, we big up Impact, and we big up ROH. They're my three favorite promotions. And now I'm going to add this man to the list of impressive conversations that I've had. I'm not going to waste any more time. Please help me welcome Sledge to Straight Talk Wrestling. What's well, up? Uh, Straight Talk Wrestling. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. I, I even added you entrance music. Look at that. Yeah, dude, you killed it. I'm gonna wipe. I'm gonna make that my entrance music for like the next six interviews. After I'm just gonna wipe my intro, and that's gonna be it. <laughs> dun, 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 straight talk radio. So Sledge, uh, Brian Campbell, all that good stuff. Um, we have such a great story that's about to be told here today, and my audience may not know you, but after this conversation, they will. Uh, you're a man who um, fell in love with wrestling at a very early age. You used to watch it with your dad all the time. And um, who were some of your heroes when you used to watch it? Back? I mean, obviously, for obvious reasons, your dad is definitely one of your heroes for sure. But when you and your dad were watching uh, these larger-than-life characters, who was somebody you or you and your dad both gravitated towards? Like LOD, Mr. Perfect, Roddy Piper. Um, I just watched a biography um, on AE on Roddy Piper, and that was great, fantastic. It was, it was so good. The La Cucaracha was, part when they were going to rip him apart, oh, I thought that was gold. Gold. Oh, was, oh my gosh, they were going to kill him. Like, literally, <laughs> you know, and that was crazy though, like how many times he got stabbed and whatnot. Like, that was nuts. Like, I never even, like, like the heat was real, you know. Um, uh, what was it? What, what was the tag team? Uh, Demolition. Mm -hmm. Demolition, right? The ones with face paint. Yeah. I was always like more into like the darker more metal characters like the ultimate warrior i was really into the ultimate warrior and yeah he wore like neon and stuff like that but like you could tell that he was more of like a like a metal character you understand what i'm saying you know like demolition was more of a metal like lod you know more like the rock and roll kind of you know and you know bret hart mr perfect what really like hooked me was you know bret hart and mr perfect you know SummerSlam 91 and just the story they told i was just like wow this is just and mr perfect is just one of the best sellers out there and just would just and then brett taking that sternum turnbuckle man is like the best in the business it really is like every time he takes that dude you're just like you just you just cringe a little bit you know so yeah i've never been able to perfect that at all no so, but you will give it time you will you will so um uh your dad, obviously, unfortunately, he lost the battle with, with a, a, a ammonia uh, very early on. And, um, you know, that kind of spiraled. That led you down some dark corridors and some dark corners and stuff like that. Do you yeah. feel like it was him passing at such an early age for you that you were never really able to, and not to be ignorant here, but you were never able to process it being so young, uh, losing your father figure, literally? You know, that's crazy, man. You never, I've never actually been asked that question. Like that's, that's good. You did, you did like it. I like that, man. Like you did a deep dive and I like that, you know, um, usually when you do podcasts or interviews, they're like, so tell me how long have you been wrestling for? What got you into wrestling? <laughs> you know, my fans are not familiar with you, but I'm super familiar with me, with you. Where did you get that name from? You know, it's like, you're supposed to put me over, man, but no, that's a great question. Um, I maybe you're not not really being able to grasp you know one of the things I kick myself uh in the ass daily you know um is when he passed uh he died on April Fool's Day uh April 1st uh 97 if I'm not mistaken I'm just positive I, you know um I got asked if I wanted to see him one last time 
And I never did. I, I said, no, I don't. I, I don't. And I kicked myself in the ass every day because I should have seen him at least one last time just to say my goodbyes. And that's just one thing that I like. It just, it, it tears me up to this day that I never was able to do that. And then one of the things that really makes me upset is that he didn't get his own gravestone. You know, he shared it with like his grandmother because they were cutting costs. You know, and, and that really, like, every time I go to visit him, I think I'm the only one in my family that actually goes out back and visits him. I go back every year, April 1st, every year to, to visit him. I don't care where I'm at. Like, I'll, I'll come back and I'll visit him in that, in that time frame, you know. Um, it just bugs me that he doesn't have his own gravestone. It, it really, it, it, it just ergs me every, every year. And I'm like, I'm going to, I don't know if I can. I don't know if that's a thing. If I could get him his own gravestone and, like, because he was cremated and he was put in the ground. Like, I don't know if we can like dig him up and then like move him to his own. Like, I don't know how that would work. I have no idea, but yeah. Um, not being able to process it so young. Cause I was so young. Uh, definitely. And it was definitely a hard age too, just because I was becoming, you know, I was going into the teenage years of when you learn how to be a man and you're expecting, you know, your father to teach you how to shave, teach you how to be a man. And when you don't have that father figure there, but you have other people trying to come in to be that father figure. Um, all you're going to do is lash out and just tell people, you know, you're not my dad. You know, you can't tell me what to do. I don't know how many times I told that to my next door neighbor or to, you know, my dad's best friend who, you know, tried to take over the reins, you know, to, to do the best he could to steer me on the right path. Um, you're not my dad. You can't tell me what to do, you know? And yeah, I, I really, yeah, that's a great question, man. Like, yeah, I think, because I was so young that I just didn't process everything the way that it should have processed, you know? And it was like, it was crazy. I don't mean to keep, keep rambling. Cause I, I can no. talk forever. No, no, absolutely. Um, one of the, one of the things was like, they made like an announcement at my school. Oh shit. You know, like over the intercom. Yeah. I've never heard that before. That's horrible though. That must've weighed even more. That must've been like, why would you yeah, say because like, that? like, why would you, why would you do that? You know? And they, they did that at like my, I think it was my middle school that did that. So I had everybody coming up to me. And it was like, you don't think this shit's hard enough? You know, I don't know if I'm like, I'm sorry. No, absolutely. You don't think it's hard yeah. enough? Fuck yeah, you're okay. Need, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, you don't think I need, you know, I don't need this, you know, crap right now. I don't need you guys coming up to me and telling me how sorry they are of me. And then a lot of people like made fun of me because of it. Now, oh, you're an orphan and you're this. It's like, eh. I get what you're saying. And I, I, I'm sorry that that had to go through your condolences on the loss of your father. I luckily still have both of my parents. My dad right now is fighting an uphill batter battle with stage three cancer. Um, But uh, he's uh, you know what he, the great thing about um, when you're kind of backed against this wall, you really see the test of an individual and the strength. And, and I think you have been back to do a corner a few times. You have, like I said, we, you're, you're an open book. Anybody can do the research that they want. I've done the research that they wanted. Um, I'm not familiar with your in-ring career, but in doing my research, I definitely have found some matches that I definitely want to talk with you about. And obviously awesome. watching you on ROH. Um, but uh, let, let's, let's carry on with where we are. So your dad passed, you know, we go down those dark corridors, those dark halls. And what I'm talking about to my audience is the drugs and the alcohol. And yeah. you're trying to numb the pain. You're trying to, uh, I guess, fill a void because you couldn't. But the greatest quote that I've seen is ROH on ROH's website. And I want to read it right off the website now because I find it so intriguing. It's your biography on the website. And it basically mm -hmm. says, forged by the demons that live inside his head. 
The metalhead maniac once turned to drugs and alcohol to quiet those voices. However, realizing he was hurting himself and those closest to him, Sledge returned to the sport he loved, professional wrestling. He's devoted himself to training and becoming the most bruising, devastating fighter in the business. Sledge's quest took him to the ROH dojo, where he impressed coaches with his passion, his intensity, and his physicality. Sledge thrives on competition, and he's put his peers and the future and the future of honor on notice. And that's just a fantastic way to describe you. Backed into a corner, broken down, uh, literally trying to numb the pain, and you wake up one morning and you go, you know what, I'm done. I'm done trying to numb it. I'm going to face it head on, and I'm going to show the world that I can be a true comeback story. And that's what intrigued me the most about sitting down with you. It's not the setbacks. It's the comeback. And the yeah. comeback is electric. You have, you know, since you've debuted on ROH, you have impressed the hell out of me. Every time I watch ROH, I'm sitting there going, I just, I, I like what I'm seeing right now, but where the fuck is Sledge? Like we got like 15 <laughs> minutes left here. Where is he? And then you, you know, you show up and it's just, it's devastating but yet you're one of the nicest and most humblest people. And I want to talk about the, the drugs and alcohol. So what was the, the stemming point or the tipping point that you realized, no, this enough is enough. I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting my wife, my children. I'm hurting everyone around me that's been there to try to help me through all this. And now I've got to make a change. Was it a change for more yourself at first? Was it a selfish change or was it for everyone else around you first? Um, man, you come up with a good questions. I like that. Um, <sighs> when you lose everything, you don't have anywhere to go. You know, I lost everything. I lost my wife. I lost my kids. I lost everything because I was addicted to alcohol, drugs, and everything else that I was doing. Um, trying to numb the pain. I was living, I legitimately was living that rock star life. You know, um, I got hot on the Indies very quickly because of my size and the way that I looked. Um, and I was getting booked every weekend and I was, traveling and doing the thing i i had wwe knocking on my door six months in you know and i thought i was untouchable i literally had this chip on my shoulder like no one can touch me so i was partying and i was drinking and i was just you know being an asshole honestly being 100 honest I was being an asshole um and when it comes to booze and all that stuff you know girls come involved and living that rock star life everything else comes involved you know and it's one of those things where, you know, when you lose everything, I was so messed up, man. And I, I got hurt. The reason why I got, okay, so I lost my dad when I was 12. I started drinking at like 13. I started drinking with his brother. You know, that was the first time I ever got drunk. And then I woke up to him literally beating the shit out of me. Um, Six foot three, 300 pound guy wow. on top of you beating the living piss out of you. Because he's drunk and I'm drunk. You know, um, then I just partied through high school and, you know, all that stuff. And I, I, I got, you know, in some trouble when I was 18, I got arrested when I was 18. Um, still drinking, still partying, still having that chip on my shoulder. And my, my, my sister tried to save my life. She did, man. I was homeless on the streets and I had nowhere to go. And, you know, it's crazy. Because, you know, your family's supposed to be there through thick and thin with everything, right? You're supposed to be family. You're supposed to be this bond, right? And when you call your mother and you're living on the streets and you call your mother and you go, hey, um, I'm going to die out here. I need help. And she chooses her job because she works for the federal government over you and goes, I can't help you. 
there's nothing I can do. And hangs up the phone on me. That's something that sticks in my mind so much. And people go, your mother can't be that bad of a lady. <laughs> I, I still don't have a relationship with her uh, to this day. I, 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 whatever, you know? Um, so I call my sister after that. My sister busted me up to San Francisco and I was still partying. Though. Like I was partying and drinking and, and smoking and doing whatever it was, you know? Um, I didn't really get into drugs, drugs, like pain pills until I got into wrestling and I got hurt. Yeah. You um, said a beer can, right? Something yeah, about a beer can straight up. Yeah. I, uh, I was drunk and I went to jump on, uh, my best friend's back and he Simone dropped me on a beer can that was standing straight up Oh shit! and it went right into my lower back. I was already having back problems. Went to my lower back. I bent over it. And, uh, yeah, the doctor pretty much told me I was pretty much done. Um, my, I was, I had to wrestle like twice the next day. So I wrestled twice the next day. And then about a week later I was wrestling and I lost feeling in my left leg. And I went to go do a move on a guy and he went up super heavy and my back went pop, pop, snap. I barely, I barely covered, barely tucked him to protect him. And, um, I couldn't get it out of the car. Like I drove, I was like, Oh, I was only an hour away from my house. So I was like, let me just, let me just get home. Let me just get home. So they carried me to my car. I was like, I can drive. I'm good. So I drove an hour and my ex-wife, bless her heart. Um, I woke up at like two in the morning. I said, Hey, I think you need to take me to the hospital. Like I can't, I can't move. I can't feel my legs. I, I, I gotta, you know, I was on cruise control the whole time, you know, driving, you know, I was like, I can't feel my legs, you know? And she's like, okay. And she got in the passenger seat, drove us to the hospital and the hospital wouldn't touch me. They're like, we're not going to help you get out of the car because we're liable. You haven't signed any paperwork yet. So bless her heart, a 150-pound girl picks a 200-something-pound guy up out of the car and puts me into a wheelchair to wheel me into the hospital at 3 in the morning. Wow. The doc does MRI or whatever they need to do. Um, he tells me, I'm done wrestling. You're done, dude. You're done. Your back's done. Toast. And I'm like, not even a year in. What do you mean I'm done? No way. And he gave me some pain pills. And I was like, you know, I'll do what I can with this. And then once that prescription ran out, what I do? I went and bought them from a coworker of mine who had a prescription for, you know, his mother had a prescription or something like that. So I got them from him. I just kept doing that. And then things at home were going bad. So I was drinking more. So then I was mixing both. And then it all exploded one night when I decided to try to get into the ring. And uh, it was, it wasn't good. I, uh, I was complete. I should never walk through the curtain. I was completely out of my mind, out of my mind. I, you I had your, uh, you had your Scott Hall moment. If I could use it honestly, right. You had your, your Scott Hall yeah. moment, you know, you know, the moment, I'm, the famous moment that I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I, uh, it's online. Like I'm, I'm an open book. Ring of Honor knows about this. Like they, they you know, um, it's all online. There's, it's, it's, it's out there somewhere on YouTube where the promoter edited it together and made me look like an absolute douche tool and uh sent it to about a hundred and something promoters and told them to never book me again this is a real him and then um i got bookings the ones that came out dude like my bookings got all pulled everybody pulled me from their bookings and next thing you know no one's answering my phone calls no one's answering my text messages no one's doing anything you know and the only person answered to my phone call was the guy that i was in the match with and he was my best friend and 
he still is to this day. And he is like, yo, dude, like, you need to change, man. You are going to die if you don't. And I, like, I had a beer in my hand. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, the, the scenario, man, was just nuts. I was sitting in front of my TV, and I had a beer in my hand. I had pills very close to where I can grab them. And I had a gun. And I was like, I was pretty much calling him to tell him I'm done. Like, I, I can't deal with, I can't deal with life anymore. And he talked to me, man. He really did. And he laid it all out for me. Because he was going through some marital problems as well at, at home. And he was going through a divorce. And just like I was going through a divorce. Like, I got served papers. I got, you know, uh, kids are gone. Kids don't want to be around me. Served papers. Like, it's a dark place, man. You're alone. You know, and he was kind of going through the same thing I was, but he wasn't like drinking as much as I was, or, you know, he wasn't dealing with pain pills or anything like that, you know? So, um, and pretty much when a guy like that, man, who saves your life, saves your life, you know, for the second time, my sister saved my life first time, this guy saves her life second time, um, pretty much tells you like, dude, you have something to live for, man. You have, you know, you have your people. Don't turn your back on them. This is a, this is a, excuse the language, but this is the pussy way out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't understand how much hurt you're going to put on them because you're fucking selfish. You know? So I put him on FaceTime and we FaceTimed and I just told him, man, I'm done. Like I, I just, I'm done with the drugs. I'm done with the alcohol. I, I got to change, man. I got to, I got to get my life on track. And uh, I dumped all the pain pills that I had. I had a drawer full, man. Like I had a, goddamn pharmacy in my in my in my underwear drawer um it dumped all those dumped everything else that i was you know taking and you know all the alcohol and he's i just told him to check on me i called my shoot job they were aware that it was what was going on and i called them and i told them hey like i need a week off i need to try to get clean i need to try to get you know something um and that was good that was, they were really cool they understood they were really really cool about it um, and I detoxed. I, 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 he checked on me every single day, every single day to make sure that I was still alive because that's, that sucks to detox. It sucks. Like your, your body thrives for this shit so much. And you think you're in so much pain, way more pain than what you really are in because you're so chemically messed up. Um, and I know I'm rambling and I, I apologize. No, no, like, you're sharing your story. Don't, it's not rambling. You know, you're sharing your story. Go ahead, continue. You know, um, and it's just one of those things, man, where it's just like, when you wake up that day and you have that clear head, like that, the haze is gone. Yeah, that uh, epiphany. Yeah, like everything is just, things just taste better. Like the world, you just look at the world different. And all I did, honestly, man, was I trade one addiction for another addiction. I trade drugs and alcohol for a food addiction. That's all I did. I suppressed my pain with food. That was it. So I went from, and what was really cool, though, is when I got sober, um, Joey Chaos from Santino Brothers Wrestling mm -hmm. calls me, and uh, who trained Brody King. Trained uh, one of uh, people that had the hands in Tyler Bateman, Jake Atlas. Um, yeah, the list goes on of this guy who he's trained and um, amazing human being. I, I love I love Joey so much. Um, 
he goes and he gives me a call and he goes, give me one reason why I shouldn't, that I should not unbook you. I'm giving you one shot. Cause I was booked on his shows. He was, he was putting me in like a, like a championship kind of role. Mm-hmm. And he's like, give me a reason. And I sat there and I talked to him. I said, I'm done, Joey. Like I can't do the drugs. I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I was like maybe like five days clean and sober. And I said, I'm five days, you know, I know I was probably like a week or maybe two weeks. I don't, I don't know. I was clear minded though. And I told him I'm never going to drink again. You know, I'm never going to drink. I'm not going to do any more drugs. I'm, I'm, I'm clean, man. I'm, I'm done. You know? And he's like, I, you got something kid. Like I, I believe in you. I got, you got something, you know, just keep level headed, you know? And he, he gave me a shot. He really did. And I kept working for him. And then, you know, I was working for, you know, little promotions here and there, but I was only wrestling maybe like once a month, if that, and I gained a lot of weight. I really did. And like, after I got clean and sober, man, I gained like, I went up to like 320 pounds and like, I was working a shoot job. You know, I was working for the cable company, linesman for the cable company. I had a good, I had a good gig. You know, I was, I was making good money. I, I had a great gig, you know, but something, it was what really like clicked for me, man, was watching Lucha Underground. Yes. Yes. Love Lucha Underground. Honestly. So good. So Lucha Underground is filmed, was filmed only a couple hours away from me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm seeing guys that I've wrestled and like had amazing matches with getting swooped up. And I'm thinking to myself, man, like if I wasn't such a fuck up, I could have been right there with them. But wait a minute. I can be right there with them. Yes. And, it, you know, and then I got like a good support system on my side. Like that support system is everything. It really is. Like support system is everything. If you have a, a good support system in your corner, fuck, you could do anything in this world. So I got a good support system. I got a gym membership. I reached out to a couple of buddies who are in phenomenal shape and I just started grinding. That's it, man. I just started grinding, grinding, grinding. And then, you know, one thing led to another. Next thing you know, like the word's starting to kind of get around, you know, Sledge is looking pretty good. And at the time I was running my own promotion. So what was happening was I was throwing shows running my own promotion, wrestling on my own shows. So I was getting my ring time in and the guys were going back to these promoters going, dude, Sledge is looking pretty good, dude. Like he looks like he's cleaned his shit up, dude. He's looking pretty okay. Next thing you know, promoters are starting to call me again. Hey man, like we heard you're, you're, I think I was maybe like three years clean and sober, maybe four years at that time. Hey man, I hear you, you know, you're three or four years clean and sober, man. You've changed your life around. We'd love to have you back. You know, yeah, let's do it, man. You know, at the same time, still grinding, mm-hmm. still grinding, still, still, you know, working the shoot job, still grinding. So I was, re- you know, next thing you know, I'm wrestling three times a weekend, you know, you know, getting off work on Friday, driving to the event, you know, four hours away, hitting a double or triple, driving all the way back. You know, it's just, you know, next thing you know, I'm asking for a lot of time off work and, you know, uh, the job's not liking that too much. So, you know, and, just kind of snowballed from there. 
You probably have more questions. I'm sorry. I just kind of no. It, it absolutely did, but it, it it's it's so intriguing to me because you always hear the stories of like myself. I uh, never battled addiction, but I battled. Um, and I'm very open book as well. I mean, anybody that's seen my interviews, when I get into these great conversations like this that inspire me, I like to share my a little bit of my story as well. I, <laughs> I, I was an angry individual. I had so much anger inside of me and I never knew where it stemmed from. And it took my wife sitting me down just under four years ago and telling me that I, I can't live with you anymore. I can't live with who you are. Uh, our daughters can't live with who you are. And if we want this to work, you need to change. So the next day I, I called my doctor's office and I said, I'm, I'm not okay. And my, doctors, my doctor said the best quote I ever heard in my life. My doctor said to me, it's okay not to be okay. Absolutely. And now, now we need to get you clear and, and, and level-headed. And I went through my first therapy session and I worked through so much of my shit. And uh, mental illness is not a joke. Uh, you're so never alone. And the great thing is, is that uh, just having that person to talk to, that outside perspective, they gave me so many tools that I use. And it's a, it's a working battle every day, much like you, but um, mm -hmm. I had the help. You had the support system, but you, you fought it alone. You didn't check into a facility. You didn't do any of that stuff. You just, you did it on your own with that support system. And that's worth way more than any other uh thing that could possibly be if your legacy is the fact that you did that you cleaned up you gained back the reputation and the trust that you lost all it proves to the anybody that's listening right now that's battling anything from anger or from frustrations like me or from what you battled they could say the setback or the comeback is always greater than the setback and when all the doors were closed you found a way sir to kick them in and if anybody deserves uh, a round of respect, and, and, and for me, you already have my respect. I dig you. I dig everything. Um, but the world needs to know that the setback is always, or the comeback is always greater than the setback, man. And you're living proof of that. So I promised myself when we sat down today, I would tell you that. And I'm telling you that. So thank you for being so honest and open with the world. I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Um, and every time I do these things and, and stuff like that, um, or every chance I get to talk about, you know, my story or, or, or you know, if, if the way I tell people all the time is like my way worked for me, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily going to work for you. And I battle depression, like a, like an SOB. Some days I'm just like you, man. Honestly, I'm just like you. I just, you know, I just wrestle for a living. That's it. I, I, that's it. I, I'm a human being. I have blood running through my veins, just like you do. I have the same probably demons as you do, or like anybody else that's listening to this things. I have the same at home problems like everybody else does. I have the same, you know, responsibilities. I still pay bills, you know, I still, you know, I'm just like anybody else, you know? And everybody looks at me like I'm this huge star. And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just a human being. You know, what's great about it is I still can walk into Walmart and nobody knows who the fuck I am. That's great. I'm okay with that. Well, I'm going to start following you around to Walmart's being like, Sledge, <laughs> wait to tell me that Sledge. He's over there right now. He's buying yeah. underwear. Yeah. And that's who the, Sledge who, right there. Who the fuck is that guy? Sledge, who the fuck? Like, look him up. No. Um, just, just Google his fucking ass. But one of the things is, like, I tell people all the time, my, the way I did things is sometimes not the right way to do things. Of course. Of course. You can die. Your body can go into that shock. And you can die. And if you feel like you need to program and go to NA or AA, please do that. If you feel like that's what you need to do 
to help yourself get clean and sober or go see a therapist because you're battling depression. There's nothing wrong with that. And people believe that that makes you feel weak, that you're a weak person because you have to go see ther a therapist. You are because it's made so like a taboo thing that depression is so taboo and no one understands that mental illness is real, especially now in these COVID times that we're in right now. Suicide rate has skyrocketed. Because no one knows where their next paycheck's coming from. No one knows how sometimes to pay their bill. A lot of people got laid off. I'm very, very blessed that Ring of Honor took care of us through this whole pandemic. And I signed my deal right before the pandemic hit. Or yes, I would yes. be just like anybody else right now. That's got to be that's got to be kind of a blessing in disguise when you look at things, right? I mean, Brother. the pandemic hits, <laughs> you sign it, and ROH still honors the agreement while they're trying to themselves as an organization trying to figure out what their next step is. How can we do it safely? How can we be back in the business but be secure for our wrestlers, for our talent? Right, and that was one of the biggest things that I was worried about. Honestly, is I just signed my deal. It was so funny. I said the world came to an end because Sledge signed a deal. Um, I say that all the time. It's not your fault. It's not it, your fault. Yeah, we all know like, where it started. Like, Holy crap! <laughs> Sledge got a deal. Like, yep, world's coming to an end, guys. There it is. See you guys later. Peace. Um, <laughs> and I tell you know, it, one of the biggest worries I had was I haven't debuted on their TV. No one knows who I am in the Ring of Honor world. I haven't done vignettes. I haven't done anything about debuting. Um, I was allowed to post a video of me signing my contract. I got that cleared by the office that, yo, can I do this? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. You're cool. Um, but after that, they didn't like, it wasn't like they retweeted it or they shared it or anything like that. You know, it was just on my social media. And at that time I didn't have like the highest social media following. So a couple people saw it, a couple people retweeted it and they're like, Hey, congratulations. This is kind of cool. You know, whatever. Um, so they were, they could easily, easily, easily said, Hey man, it's just wrong timing, brother. Sorry. Maybe we'll see you down the road. Mm -hmm. They but could they easily have done that, but they didn't, they but they didn't. didn't. They honored my deal. On top of that, there's a lot of changes that were happening in the company, mm -hmm. which I think were for the best, mm -hmm. personally. Mm -hmm. And I believe that everything happens for a reason. There's a reason why I'm in Ring of Honor. There's a reason why Ring of Honor offered me my deal when they offered me my deal. I was only at the dojo for six months when they offered me my deal. Mm -hmm. And it was at that down now the dojo. Correct me if I'm wrong. The dojo was just a, a handshake, right? It was no guarantee. Yeah. It's like show no guarantee. God, nothing. And we'll 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 see where we are. That's all it yeah. was. So, right? Yeah. So, um, and that's the crazy part about it is, um, when I went and I got, uh, I originally went to a Ring of Honor show in Las Vegas. Something was pulling me that way. Something was like, yo, dude, like you got, and I had opportunities up the. Wazoo to go wrestle that weekend, you know, and something was pulling me towards going to a Ring of Honor show, you know, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, you know, they they did they were doing the 17th anniversary show, mm -hmm. 18th 17th, right? We just did the 19th, 18th, yeah, one of those two. Um, and I was, it was when Jay Lethal and Matt Taven wrestled for an hour. Oh my God! What a match! What a what fuck, a match! What a match! What Jesus a Christ. match! Those boys, yeah, Jesus! Man. 
Jay Lethal was, is Jay Lethal is the fucking truth, man. The truth. Dude, I love Lethal. I really do, man. That guy is well. Now you got to tell him that you 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 also love straight talk wrestling, so he can get back to me and say uh, we could set something up. <laughs> I will. You know, Jay's on Jay's on Twitch now. Oh well, then yeah. I, may, I, may, I helped, does, I but does to... he drink coffee like you, or does he do something different? He, dude, Jay was on my show. Okay, I have to go back through the archives. I do. I have Locked to go back the to archive. the archives. Yeah, Jay was on my show. He's one of my first, uh, and I didn't know he would do it. You know, because I'm I'm this new guy, right? And I'm just doing coffee with Sledge to do something during a pandemic. You know, I was like, man, like I gotta, and I was doing it on Instagram originally, and I had Silas as one of my first ones, right? right. And then a buddy of mine was like, yo, dude, you got to do this on Twitch. Like, you got to do it on Twitch. And I was talking, I had a couple guys. Like I had, uh, who'd I have? I had like, like Sunny Kiss came on. And then um, I had a bunch of the Ring of Honor people come on. And then I had like De- Delirious. And then I had like Quinn McKay. Yeah, the Quinn had, McKay one is my one of my favorites. I love the Quinn, Quinn was great. Yeah, oh my God, I was so nervous to talk to her. Um, because you have to realize something i don't really have like a relationship with these people too much right yeah they were at the dojo with me but like we would go we would train and then that would be it there would be no like hangout session like i think i hung out with everybody maybe once you know and that was at like a a ring of honor event you know what i'm saying that's okay that hangout session obviously led people to be like yo this guy's a stand-up dude let's do it i want to do it yeah and you know and i had like dak and then I, i don't know i was talking to lethal I, I don't know how it happened. We were, we were getting ready to leave. I was getting ready to catch my flight. Oh, you know what I was doing? I was driving my stuff back from Maryland. I moved to Maryland part, part time for the dojo thing, right? And then they were like, yo, you can, um, during the pandemic, I was paying my mortgage <laughs> and I was paying rent on a place I wasn't living in. Right. So one had to get. Right. Absolutely. So I called the bosses, you know, and uh, I was like, hey, man, like, this is kind of what's going on. And uh, Greg, uh, you know, fantastic boss, you know, goes, uh, yo, dude, we'll just, we'll just take care of you from now on. Just, just go home. Go, go be where you need to be. And I was like, wow. You sure? He goes, yeah, man. He goes, we got it. Don't worry. And I was like, cool. So when the pure tournament was, uh, when they were doing stuff at the pure tournament, I flew myself back to Baltimore. I helped with the pure tournament. Um, and then I, uh, I packed up all my stuff and I drove it back. And as I was getting ready to leave that three day drive back, I ran the lethal in the, in the, uh, in the lobby. I think that's how it happened. I go, Hey Jay, uh, I got a question, man. Would you be interested in coming on my show on Twitch? And he's like, well, uh, what show? What, what, like, give me some info here, bud. Like, you know, and I was like, yo, I just sit down we just talk. We just have a cup of coffee. We just kind of bullshit. You know, he's like, send me a message, you know, on, on Instagram. I'm like, all right, cool. So I sent him a message on Instagram, and I didn't hear anything back at all. I was like, ah, it's cool. It's Jay, you know. See him at the next TV. So they fly me in for TV, and that was my going to be my first, like, official, like, debut, right? They fly me in for TV, and Jay goes, hey, man. Like, I looked at my Instagram, and I didn't see any of your messages. I was like, really? I went, I pulled up my phone. I was like, really? Is like, is this? It? He goes, yeah. He goes, why? he's like, why don't I have those? He goes, here's my number. I was like, okay. He goes, let's set it up. Text me. We'll set it up. And I said, you know, I text him. We set it up, and bam, he's on the show. And he's been like, he's been so cool, like that. Like Jay is just, 
lethal is just like <laughs> he's so funny he's like and he jay jay's like one of those guys who's like very like like in right but like if you if you could pop lethal you're good you know <laughs> like if you pop him and get him to laugh you're good you know uh, hey listen and, i i'm a dad man i got a lot of dad jokes i can throw some classic dad jokes down <laughs> and he'll laugh he'll he's, laugh. he's hilarious man he always he always he always comes up to me such what's your coffee you know, even if I don't, if I don't have coffee, it, would, it could be like seven o'clock at night. You'd be like, "Hey, Sledge, what's your coffee?" <laughs> like, Dude, I'm getting ready to go to bed. <laughs> you know, like what? You know, like you know what you do? You know what you do? Just get just get chocolate pudding, put it in a cup, always with you. And whenever he goes, "Hey, where's your coffee?" You go right here. If you shine it back, he'll never know that it's not coffee. I mean, he will now if he ever watches this interview. Well, yeah, if you ever watch it, but yeah, no. And then Jay started getting on Twitch. He started asking me about Twitch. Nice. And next thing you know, he's on Twitch and he's doing his thing with Twitch and, you know, and we're playing games together and like, Jay's great. Like I, I love him to death, man. He's, he's been so cool to me ever since I walked in that locker room, man. And he is, he is legit the best wrestler in one of the best wrestlers in the world. Oh, I've said that from day one. And the great thing is about the ROH locker room is that you're not the first one to tell me how family oriented and how cool everybody yeah. is in the locker room. They might not know you or might not uh, know about you or, or you come in and it's not like, oh, here's a new guy. It's like, oh, cool. They've added, they've added somebody out another layer to our roster yep. that just gives us that extra something, that extra something special. And for you, I mean, you had a, you had a lot of, you know, fantastic moments in your comeback story, but yeah. I definitely want to ask you about, I mean, I have to ask you about, because if I didn't, my fan base would kick me in the face. Stone Cold Steve Austin, the broken skull sessions. Oh, what? what, what? Don't lie right now. Are you drinking coffee right now? Or are you just drinking water? I am. I'm drinking coffee. Perfect. Black coffee. Of course. Okay. Just want to make Cat-fi, sure. Catfi coffee, head over to catfightcoffee.com. Use promo code sledge 15, get 15% off your order. There you go. There you go. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. There it is. What? Yep. <laughs> All right. So back to seriousness now. Okay. No more fart jokes right now. None. Are you going to do it again? What? I thought there. <laughs> <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin, the broken skull sessions, having mm-hmm. being on there. I mean, that kind of made you and he, your stock rose even more with that. Cause obviously Stone Cold has like one of the biggest platforms, but how surreal was it to you when Stone Cold reached out and said, Hey man, I want to get you on the show. I want to talk about you. I want to share your story. How good. How, how crazy was that? That one of like the OG, like the goat, like literally on the most people's Mount Rushmore messages you or calls you up and says, Hey man, Stone Cold Steve Austin here. Let's get you on the show. Here's the crazy part is that's not how it happened anyway at all. Perfect. That's what I figured. <laughs> that's what I figured, but I wanted, yeah. I wanted to, I had to, I had to sell it. I got to beef it up a yeah. little bit. So I was on the road with a, a buddy of mine named AJ Kirsch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know who AJ Kirsch is, but AJ Kirsch was on uh, Tough Enough. Yes. Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, former commentator for MLW, um, has done a number amount of things with The Rock, Rock the Promo Champion, so on and so forth. Like he's one of my like closest friends, and a great dude. And I do know very, I do know a lot about him. Great dude. Great, great dude. Great dude. If you don't have him on the show, you should. He's got a great, great story. Um, we're traveling uh, to a show in Arizona. We were both on. He was doing commentary. I was wrestling. And he goes, hey, man, like on Sunday, like I'm probably going to have to drop you off at like a Starbucks or something like that because I have this interview I got to do. Or he's like, I have something I have to do. Right? So I'm thinking to myself, like he has an acting gig because he's an actor. So I'm like, he's probably got like a read or 
some kind of audition and like he doesn't want me to take the spot you know he doesn't want me to take his spot so he's gonna drop me off and you know i know they're gonna when i walk in they're gonna offer me the spot you know he doesn't want the competition so he's gonna drop me off at starbucks down the street right makes sense yeah i was like yeah dude that's cool whatever you need it's cool whatever and um next year i know his phone rings and he like he had it up on the dash you know and it says steve austin i sit there and look at him i'm like is that and he kind of Gives me the, eh. <laughs> you know, he gives me the, eh, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Let's find out, you know? So he goes, he puts it, and he hits speakerphone. And you hear, hey, kid, what time are you coming over on Sunday? I go, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you, know, like, you, you asshole. You know, because he did, uh, he did the 2K19 games or the 2K18 games. Mm-hmm. And he uh, was going to promote the game. And I, uh, he got hurt doing the game. He blew out his ACL mm-hmm. uh, doing the motion capture for the game. And he's also Buzz. Um, the whole character was based off him. Mm-hmm. So he was going there to talk to Austin about it um, on the podcast. So he's like, yeah. He's like, I don't know, one, two o'clock works fine. And he goes, yeah, sure, no problem. And he goes, hey, can I bring a buddy with me? He goes, buddy, a worker? He goes, yeah, man, he's a worker. And he goes, tell him to kiss my ass. Hell no. And I was like, <laughs> I was popping because he told me to kiss his ass. He doesn't fucking know. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. He, like, also told me to kiss his ass. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, he goes, yeah, dude, that's fine, kid. Bring him on. He goes, all right, Steve, see you, see you on Sunday. So I was hanging up the phone. He goes, looks like we're going to Steve Austin's house on Sunday. Fuck. So, like, my sister lived in Hollywood. And Steve's, uh, you know, 316 Gimmick Street, you know, um, which was, wasn't very far from Austin's place. So we went, we drove through the night. We got to my sister's point around like four in the morning. We, you know, slept for a couple hours and then, you know, showered up and headed over to Steve's. Um, so Steve calls and goes, hey, man, I just got back from the gym. Um, let's meet in like an hour. And we were already on our way. So we're like, all right, man, let's... uh." Maybe we'll just park down the street. Right? So we're driving by Steve's house. We're like, we'll find a place down the street. We're driving by Steve's house. And Steve's outside. (laughs) Steve's outside talking to his neighbor. So Steve, as it was was like, it's like one of those things. It's just like when you're driving by, you're like, you don't see me. 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 He goes, he calls. He goes, is that you, kid? AJ goes, yeah. He goes, oh, just pull up right here. It's fine. He goes, hey, man, sorry, we we're kind of already on our way. He's like, oh, it's cool, whatever. Get out of the car. And uh, he goes, hey, he goes, I, I go, hey, sir, you know, my name's Brian. He's like, oh, fuck that, sir, shit. You know, I'm Steve. Okay, cool. Um, and I have a, a, okay, so I used to have a deathly fear of dogs. Okay. I have two beautiful, two beautiful dogs now. I used to have a deathly fear of dogs because when I was younger, I got ran down by a dog and he bit into my back and like rolled me around like a fucking rag doll, right? Right. So I had this deathly fear of dogs. So I'm sweating because I'm going into Steve's house. Next thing you know, he has his two dogs. Mm-hmm. They're not chained up. They're not locked up. They're roaming free. Next thing you know, they're jumping on me. And I'm trying not to freak out. So I'm walking into Steve's house and there's dogs are jumping on me. And I'm like, uh, 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 um, um, yes, good doggy, good doggy, good doggy. Next thing you know, we're sitting on his couch, right? And he has some, uh, 
he has uh, AJ has some things that he had like print out, so he jumped on like Steve's computer or something like that and printed them out. And next thing you know, I'm talking to Steve's wife. We're talking about, you know, I think we're talking about Sons of Anarchy, honestly. Nice, great show. Yeah, love that. Show. Yeah, love it, love it. I'm a huge fan. Every time like I'm bored, I throw it on. Doesn't matter what season, I'll just randomly just throw it on. Next thing you know, I'm hooked and I want to watch it from the beginning and I'll watch all seasons, you know, again. Um, and his dog comes up and lays on my lap, oh, puts his head on my lap. And next year, I'm just petting, you know, and Steve walks out, you know, from the shower and he goes, I've never seen her do that anybody with anybody. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, just beautiful dog, you know. He goes, let's go, because he has 316 gimmick street and then 317 gimmick street. Right, so he's like, "Let's go over to three sixteen Gimme Street. Let's go ahead and get this done." Right, so we head over there, and um, he's sitting down. Me and Steve, you know, we're all talking, just kind of BS, and you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like fly on the wall. Him and AJ are going at it, fly on the wall. Kind of just mouth shut, ears open, just kind of listening. Right, next thing you know, Steve's setting up three mics, one for him, one for AJ, one for me, and I'm like, I'm not gonna steal, you know, I'm not gonna fucking. Still, AJ Thunder. This is about AJ. Fuck this, dude. I'll, if he asks me a question, I'll, I'll answer it. But if he doesn't ask me a question, I'm not just going to chime in and talk. This is about AJ, right? Midway through the interview with AJ, Steve rolls to me, comes over to me, and he asks, I don't remember what he asked me. I don't remember what it was. But then we got on the, on the subject of, um, music and, and the next thing you know he's like he he asked me something like he had to take a break it, it steve took a break he had to get something to drink or something like that and he, he kind of looks at me he's like dude you're kind of he's like you're kind of holding holding in like well, what's up like what's going on you know and aj told him like hey dude this guy kind of has a little bit of a story like he's got some addiction issues he's got some depression issues like and he kind of looks at me, he's like, is that true? And I was like, yeah, man, like, this is kind of like my story. And I kind of gave him like a quick rundown. And he's like, can I podcast? And I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, dude, after we're done with AJ, we'll do you. And we'll, we'll just, it would just be you. And I'm like, yeah, man, that would be great. And now I'm fucking sweating bullets even more. I've never done <laughs> I've never really done podcasts. Like, never learned how to really like sit here and talk like we're talking. Right. You know, so you could hear how uncomfortable I was in that interview. It's on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the metalhead maniac. Um, it's it's up there, it's in it's in my archives. Um, you can hear how nervous I was at the beginning of the interview and then how it kind of gradually got better as it went on because I got more comfortable. Yes, I did notice and when I was doing the interview. Uh, when I was doing my research, I went back and I listened to that interview. And in the beginning, first 15, 20 minutes, I want to say yeah. it was a little rough. But yeah. once you hit that like 20 minute mark, you became like you are now completely yeah. comfortable. Like, okay, I get it. It's not like a, a formal kind of thing. It's, yeah. uh, hey, let's just now. Okay, this is the one of the greatest of all time. And he wants to hear my story. Fuck it. I'm going to put my feet up and I'm going to tell my story. Right? right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that was one of the things where it's just like, oh, you know. And I wasn't expecting anything out of it. Mm. Like, I wasn't expecting him to release it. Because, I, I mean, he's had guys like, he, before me, dude, he had like PCO. He had like, you know, Brian Cage. He's had Eli Drake. He's had, you know, big WWE stars. Like, fucking, you name it. He's had him on there, right? Right. So I wasn't expecting 
I wasn't expecting anything out of it. Hell, he threw MJF out of his damn house. <laughs> yeah, I love that one, by the way. I really you know do. what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Threw fucking MJF out of his fucking house. You know? And then we cut this, me and AJ cut this promo with Steve. You know, in Steve's fucking gimmick, you know? And then, we, you know, I still have the broken skull gimmick right here. This is, this is personally from him. Right. Um, I'll never get rid of it. Um, and then uh, he, he's just, he, he wanted, he, AJ's like, hey, can we cut this thing with you? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, dude, wow. Like, you know, like how humble this guy is. And so just down to earth and how fucking cool he is. I still have contact with Steve today. That's amazing. That's amazing. But rightfully so, because he, you know what, what, what I see in that moment is not a moment of opportunity. That's a moment of somebody recognizing who you are and what you bring to the table. So if, if in that opportunity that he saw that in you, take it and run with it. And it was hands down uh, going back and listening to it, then going back through some of Steve's archives. I mean, obviously MJF getting thrown out of his house, that's legendary. That's fucking great. Legendary. But I mean, your, your conversation was great. And the one thing I love about Stone Cold Steve Austin is his philosophy is much like mine. We don't need to have a formal interview. This doesn't need to be a, I got 26 questions and we're going to blow through them. It's, I want it to be organic. I want to see how it goes. That's why when you apologized early on, you were like, oh, I'm sorry for rambling. Fuck that. You're sharing your story. And I'm just going to piggyback. I had a list of points I wanted to hit. But once we started talking, I put the phone down here. I haven't looked at my notes since. There's no need to because Uh, the conversation is organic. And um, I do have a couple more questions and I'm obviously going to let you go enjoy your day. But the fact is, is that Stone Cold Steve Austin and you, Keep it in contact. That doesn't surprise me because not only are you a, a comeback kid, a humble guy, but you're also devastatingly powerful and you have a great look and a great character. But I also know that when the world opens up and I actually get my ass over to ROH, because I definitely want to go see all the people that I've talked to because I love ROH as a company, as a brand and hearing what the owners did for you and everything like that. I, I want to go and see everybody so we can finally shake hands in person. No, no elbows, no fort. We're going to fucking shake hands. Fuck this pandemic. I'm, hug. Shake them. I'm a hugger. Okay. Oh, let's hug yeah. it out. But let's hug it out. I mean, just knowing the story and stuff, it doesn't surprise me in the least bit. And I'm, I'm, it's awesome that Stone Cold Steve Austin keeps in contact with you because it just shows who he is as a person. Right. And what was, and when he, so he, um, he sent me a text. And goes, hey, hey, your uh, your episode airs this day. And uh, so he did AJ's, and then at the end of AJ's, he put me over and said, "We're gonna have you know Sledge Brian Campbell on, um, in two weeks time." And then he sent me a text, and I said, "Hey man, like, do you?" He said, uh, "Can you give me your address? Do you mind if I get your address? I would like to send you something to say thank you." And um, he gave me his address. He's like, you don't need to do that. But I sent him like some merch. I sent him like my shirt, uh, my sledge, sledge of Anarchy shirt. I think I sent him some stickers, some other stuff. And just a note saying thank you. Because he literally launched me into a different bracket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was a no-named indie guy working in California. The minute that podcast hit that morning, my phone did not stop. And I was talking to, um, I was talking to AC Romero about this. When AC did the pounce, the first pounce he did, and he pounced that dude outside the ring. He goes, that was, that's what made me. The minute Steve's thing hit, 
Next thing you know, I'm getting booked in Texas. Like within minutes, I'm booked in Texas. Next thing you know, boom. Uh, other promoters are just blowing me up. Here we go. Boom, 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 boom. Now, like, now I'm headed to, uh, this was before I, I, I did Steve Austin after I did England. That's mm -hmm. right. So I did an England tour first with the WAW family. That really kind of got me on the map here in the U.S. a little bit. Um, and then I did the Steve Austin thing. And the next, you know, I did Impact. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. But the crazy thing is, is Ring of Honor had, still had no idea who I was. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. It wasn't any, now. I, a couple of the guys from Ring of Honor knew who I was because I've wrestled them, like Cobb, and you know, I think on the show was the Reno Scum, and you know, guys like that. Like they know who I was. I was a California guy, right? And Brody King obviously knows who I was because, <laughs> excuse me, we've shared the ring together. You know, being Cobb, number of times we've shared the ring together. You know, so these guys know who knew who I was, but the head office at Ring of Honor. The people that make the decisions, no idea who I was. You know, so for me to block out that weekend, and I did everything I needed to do to get noticed. Showed up early. I, it's crazy though, because like, I, uh, I contacted one of the people who help out with the Las Vegas show, they give the guardrails, right? I contact him and I go, hey man, I want to come out for the Ring of Honor show. Cool, man, show up at four o'clock. 4 p.m. on a Thursday? Yeah, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right at all. Um, next thing you know, um, I text a buddy who's like a good friend who did my who did my entrance music actually for Ring of Honor. Um, his name is Wes. Logan, you know, uh, he plays in a band called Death in Motion, uh, which is a fantastic band. If you guys don't know who that band is, look them up. They're freaking awesome. Just Google anyway, that uh, shit. You'll be able to find it. Google Google that shit. Um, I text him because I was going to stay with him. And he's done extra work for Ring of Honor and stuff like that. And he goes, nah, man. Nah, he's fucking with you. I was like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, if the trucks are there, they're there. And this is usually the time they start setting up. All right, perfect. So I flew in. He picked me up from the airport. I flew there on my own dime with like a backpack, like full clothes. And I think I had my wrestling gear. You always go to a show with your wrestling gear. Absolutely. So I, think I, I think I had my wrestling gear. Um, and I was at Samstown trying to get into the backstage area. Trying. Checking the doors. Okay, well, maybe, you know, boom. Okay, there's trucks here. You know? It was like 10 a.m. Finally, I walked around multiple times, and one of the guys who was head of the ring crew looked at me and goes, hey, man, I don't mean to stop you, but what are you doing? I go, and I go, hey, man, I'm just here to help. Whatever you need me to do, like, I'm here to help. I'm here to help set up the ring. I'll put the damn thing together myself. I don't care. You know, I've set up so many rings. Doesn't matter to me. I know how to put them together. You know? He goes, oh, cool, man. You know, I'm, you know, it was, his name was Bird. You know, I, you know, he works for AEW now, but his name was Bird. And he goes, hey, man, I'm Bird. He goes, we don't start setting up until noon. 
Oh, you got a couple hours. I showed up at 10 a.m. He's like, you got a couple hours, man. I'm like, okay, cool. So I was like, ah, do I leave or do I stay? Fuck it, I'll stay. So I thought I got something to eat. I, you know, fucked around a little bit more and did some things. Next thing you know, birds walking by and he goes, hey, we're going to start setting them now if you want to come. Hell yeah, let's go. So next thing you know, he's talking to me and we're rapping and we're like, oh yeah, dude, like I know, you know, Brutal Bob and, you know, so and so. And he's like, oh shit, I love Bob. And, you know, and uh, next thing you know, man, like I'm just busting my ass. I'm doing everything they need me to do. Doesn't matter what it is. If they told me, hey, man, can you clean the crap off this guy's fucking shoe? Hell yeah. The cleanest it fucking will ever be. You know, I don't give a fuck, dude. I don't, I'm a nobody. I don't care. You know, just because I've done, been on Impact pay-per-view don't give a fuck you know just because i don't see awesome podcast i don't give a fuck like i if you walk around with that kind of mentality of like oh i'm too good for that fuck out of here with that noise yeah it's the same way in the podcasting game i've like i've had a a lot of great people on my show great conversations but i stay humble if you gloat in this business you deserve your failure that's the way i look at that exactly so i started getting like um so i busted my ass thursday and we're going into the pay-per-view, and uh, Mark pulls me aside. Mark, Mark Brown? No, it was Mark, uh, head of production, Mark. Uh, what is his name? It's not Brownie. It's Mark. Oh, it's going to bug me. He's going to fucking kick my ass, too, if he ever hears this either. Um, I think I only have him in my phone as fucking Mark ROH, too. Jeez, man. Look at me, man. I got, like, fucking 1,200 fucking interviews to do today. Jesus. It's all, it's all your fault. I'm just kidding. Um but I am your favorite one. I'm the one that's going to stick out. You know that. That's right. That's right. And then the next guy's like, so how did you get into wrestling? <laughs> we go again, you know, jeez. Um, and he goes, he's like, Hey man, um, can you be here by nine tomorrow? So he gives me an earlier call time than everybody else. Absolutely. Shit. I'll be here at eight 30, you know, cause if you're fucking early, you're on time. If you're le- if you're on time, you're late. It's the way I, I live my life, mm-hmm. you know, next thing you know, um, the pay-per-view's getting ready to start, and Ryan Ginley comes up to me, and he goes, hey, man. Um, I go, hey, Ginley, like, I don't have a job. Like, they didn't give me anything to do, so what would you like me to do? And he goes, I got the perfect job for you. I was like, really? And he goes, and he sets me next to the head of the head producer at the time. And the producer comes up to me, and he goes, hey, he goes, hey man, like, this guy, he's going to be your right-hand man, whatever you need him to do. The guy looks at me, and he goes, so what, you want a fucking job or what? I go, yes, sir. He goes, who are you trained by? I go, I'm from San Luis Obispo, California. I was nervous as fuck, just sweating bullets. You know, I was like, I'm from San Luis Obispo, California. He goes, great. Now I know where the fuck you're from. He goes, who the fuck trained you? And I was like, mm, that's a double-edged sword right there, bud. I'm not, you know, huh. You know? So uh, I still won't give him credit to this day for training me because I don't believe he trained me. So. I, I, to be honest, um, so I'm not going to say his fucking name, you know? Um, so he goes, do you have some stuff? I go, yeah. He goes, send me an email. And I did a Billy Gunn seminar. Uh, and Billy Gunn goes, you know the way to get a job? Make sure you have an eight by 10 and your resume on the back. If they ever ask you for that, keep sending it to them. Keep sending it to them. Sooner or later, they'll get back to you. So the next day after the pay-per-view, they were doing TV. I come in and I give my resume and my eight by 10 to uh, Will Ferrara. And he goes, he takes a look at it and he goes, okay, man, we'll, we'll 
we'll take a look at it. Thank you. And I didn't expect it. I busted my ass the rest of the night and broke everything down for them and hung out with them a little bit afterwards. Nothing too major or anything like that. It was like I had a flight the next morning, like 6 a.m. We got done at like 2. You know, so I was like, oh, I'll hang out for a couple hours and I'll just head straight to the airport. Whatever, it's cool. Um, wasn't expecting anything out of it. Next thing you know, I get a text probably about a week, two weeks later. Hey, man, are you going to be in New York? Yeah, I got, you know, WrestleCon. I got another show. Yeah, I'm going to be in New York for uh, for uh, Mania Weekend. How would you like to come to Madison Square Garden? Yeah, would love that. Cool, we'll be in contact. Okay. You know? Next thing you know, I'm at Madison Square Garden. Walking in. G1. ROH G1. Supercard of Honor. I wasn't even there maybe five minutes, ten minutes. I get pulled into the office. They're like, we looked at your resume. We looked you up. He goes, we just have a couple questions. Why are you not signed? What is it? What, 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 why? You got a good look. You can work. Why aren't you signed? You know, are you trouble? We don't want to, you know, it was pretty much like drilling me. Like, are you trouble? Like, if we go with you, are we going to catch shit for it? Right. And I told him, well, I have a little bit of a history. I told him a little bit of, I told him my backstory. I said, I'm, you know, at that time, I think I was like five years, six years clean and sober. You know, I'm getting ready to go up on my seventh or eighth year, uh, seventh year. I think seventh, six and a half, seventh. Yeah, seventh year. Um. And, you know, I told him I had some addiction issues, but, you know, I'm X, Y, and Z. And, and he's like, uh, we need to know, uh, how did the Steve Austin thing happen? I was like, I told him what happened. And they're like, we want to invite you to a tryout in May. Well, we'll, we'll take care of the bill. We just want to invite you. Cool. Cool, man. See you in Baltimore. See you. Fuck out of the, you know. And it was cool because, like, I was on a show a couple of weeks before with Juice Robinson. So Juice walked in, right? And he's like, oh, dude, what's up, man? Like, gave me a big hug, right? And uh, they're like, you know him? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Can he work? Yeah, guy's pretty good, actually. Cool. All right, kid. We'll see you later. All right. Later. Went off and kind of did my thing and got to the tryout. Did my, did my thing with the tryout. And then uh, I was in the airport. You know, uh, I, this is probably like, I'm just giving you the whole story. I don't know what you were going to ask or how, I, how I'm just kind of, I'm loving every it. minute of it, man. My face, okay, cool. has been, my face has been on you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. loving it. I'm entertained. Um, so keep next thing you know, uh, you know, I'm at the airport. Um, and I got to give credit to fucking Ryan Ginley, man. Ginley called me, you know, and he goes, Hey man, like, uh, they want to offer you a dojo spot, but there's no pay. And I'm like, well, and you have to relocate to Baltimore. Mm. No pay. Relocate to Baltimore. So, like, I would have to get, like, a shoot job or just kind of keep working in the indies that I can. But now I'm going to be on the East Coast. So no one's going to know me on the East Coast. He goes, what we're going to do is we're going to put you on the ring truck. Or we're going to put money in your pocket. So pretty much I'm going to get paid to train. You know, 
And I was like, we'll put you on the road. We'll get you on the ring truck. So what you do is like you'll drive to every single event. You'll set up the event. We'll pay you for that. And you'll train at the dojo. And if we, if, and then the bosses, you know, were like, if we feel like you have something, we'll sign you. We just don't feel like you're ready yet. And I understood. Yeah. I get it. I've only done a few things on television, nothing too major, you know? So knowing where the cameras are and knowing how to work cameras and stuff like that is fairly, you know, new to me, you know? Um, and next thing you know, uh, about six months later, man, they offered me my deal. They're like, we, we see it. We, we want it. Let's do it. And that's kind of how it happened. Next thing you know, sign my deal and the pandemic happens. Get sent home. And then was expecting to be released. I really was. I was seriously sweating bullets. I was like, they're going to release me. They have to, and I wouldn't blame them. Like, that's the crazy part. Is like, I would not have blamed them any way, shape, and form. It was just bad timing. I would not have blamed her anymore. I would, I would understand. I'm like, I understand. I get it. I have, you have invested nothing in me yet. I get it. Right. 100%. And then now. But they didn't. They didn't. They, they didn't. Kept, no. They kept with you because they saw something in you. And I think it was honestly and truly uh, your openness, your honestness. When they asked you, they said, you got a great look. You, you can work. But why the, why the fuck aren't you signed? Like, yeah. what what backlash is going to come for us announcing, hey, guess what? We've signed Sledge. Yeah. And if it was a year after all the shit had gone down, they probably would have received flack. But this is literally five, six years later. You've yeah. rebuilt. You've rebranded and rebuilt yourself. You basically, if you think about it, you did a $6 million man. You've rebuilt yourself from the inside out. You recreated who you are. And yeah. uh, because you have the willpower and the passion, and that's why I find your story so intriguing because um, whenever there was, I mean, they always say, right? Your life, I look at your life like a flat line. Peaks and valleys. You're going to have your high points. You're going to have your low points. And then if you stop chasing it, it's just going to stay aligned. You're right. not going to take any risks. But if you keep having those peaks and valleys, you will eventually, it'll just keep, your stock will rise, it will fall. That's life. That's how life goes. But if you put in the work, you're going to have more peaks than you will valleys. And that is resonant of you and your story. I think one of the things too also was I didn't stay stagnant during the pandemic. No. Either. I was thinking, my, I thought about different ways to get over it. Like they didn't, I was like, I shot my own vignette. I had an idea, shot my own vignette. I, and I sent it, I sent it to, to the office that this is my idea. This is kind of the way I want to do it. And they're like, shoot it, see what happens. So I shot it. I sent it and they're like, dude, this is great. Thank you. Excellent. Um, I shot another one, you know, and they thought it was great. And then I did the coffee with sledge thing on top of that is I got to come home where I'm comfortable, my safe space. Mm -hmm. Because when I moved to Baltimore, I got extremely depressed. Right. And because I lost my support system, I left everything, you know, went to a whole nother side of the world where I didn't really like a whole lot, to be honest. <laughs> no one's going to fault you for it. No one's going to fault you for it. You know, um, I'm different. 
built different. I'm wired different than a lot of people are, you know, and that sometimes rubs people the wrong way, the way that I'm wired. Right. Um, I get flack for that too. I have um, serious foot and mouth disorder. I say what I shouldn't say out loud and it ends up getting me in trouble 95% of the time. Yeah. You got head and ass disease. Yeah, man. I got that too. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things man, where it's like, I, I, yeah. So what I did was I, instead of drinking and partying, I went to food and I just started eating and I gained a bunch of weight while I was out there. And then when I got home, I was like, man, things got to change. Like when they call me, if they call me, I want to be ready. So I changed my eating habits. I changed everything, you know, and then I just started posting more things online and started trying to get more over online and trying to get more over period. And I want to say the pandemic was the best thing that ever happened to me. What was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I know it's shitty, it's shitty for a lot of people, but it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because I was able to create my show. I was able to reconnect with people here. I was able to reconnect physically, emotionally, mentally, you know, take that break, take the break that I needed, that I felt like I needed. And, and you know what, there's some, um... There's, there's a lot to be said in that, that uh, no matter where this crazy journey takes you in wrestling, no matter who you meet, the connections you make, the people you inspire or don't inspire, the people who, because you're always going to have haters, you're always going to have the naysayers, you're always going to have the doubters. And the great thing about it is, is that if you rise above and you just, you know, stay quiet, stay humble, show and prove, uh, good fortune comes to you. And, uh, and, and I'm talking about in terms of myself, stay the course. And now I can add you to a proud list of people that I've had on my show and that I consider a friend. And I mean that because your story is one hell of a story. And uh, there's definitely not going to be, this is not going to be the only time. We're going to have to do another one. We're going to have to do a part two because uh, I've had a fantastic time and I hope you have as well. Yeah, absolutely. Are we done? No, we're almost done. I got okay. two more questions, but. Right, cool. I thought we were done. done. I was like, okay, bye. No, <laughs> <laughs> Two questions is I wanted to talk about one of the, um, one of my favorite matches of doing my research uh, from the Santino brothers. Uh, mm -hmm. It was you versus Tyler Smith. That is one of my favorites, man. One of my really? favorites. Yeah, wow. I liked it. I liked the story that was told. And I'm, I'm one of, I, I'm, I guess I'm wired different that way because I look at the whole grand scheme of thing. I consider wrestling to be the great dance. And if yeah. you have one of those dance partners, the story that was told, I loved the pacing of that match. I loved the, the simplicity of the match. And I love that it had the high spots and the low spots. And I don't yeah. mean low spots as bad spots. I mean, you guys built layers to it. And I, yeah. I consider that to be uh, one of the matches I thoroughly enjoyed. Out of all the matches that I watched, that one there, for some reason, it just sticks out to me. What are your wow. thoughts on it? Uh, I felt bad for the kid. I really did. Um, I think I gave him a concussion from the power really? See, that, that was that, uh, that's something I wouldn't know. I mean, I know he took a couple hard bumps, but I did not yeah. know the concussion. I, I, think I, I think I gave him a concussion after the power bomb, uh, from one of the power bombs. He didn't protect himself. And uh, wham, he got the, got the whiplash. And um, I don't know what he's doing now. I want to say that he was on the East Coast and he was wrestling. He was doing his thing. I was kind of keeping up on him and doing his thing. But, like, I have no idea where he is now. Um, that's crazy. That, that one would stick out more than, you know, the Eli Drake and the – the, the, listen, uh, the Eli Drake one is great. Don't get me wrong. You've had you've had an impressive list of who you've you've faced yeah. in the ring and who you've told stories with. But I always look for those. I I, I guess I'm I'm a fan of the underdog guys because you were yeah. you were known. Tyler Smith was just coming up at the time. I that was his first match. That was his first match. 
Okay, see that I did not know. I thought he yeah, had. Least, first... I thought you were in his first ten, not his first match ever. I think that was his first match. If I'm, if I remember correctly, I want to say I was his first match. Well, then, but then you know what? I guess maybe that's what drew it to me because I guess I saw the potential, and it's unfortunate. I hope he is still in the business. I hope he is still wrestling because if that was his first and his last, sucks to go out like that. But that was. Uh... I know it wasn't his last. Okay, well I that's know good. It wasn't his last. That's good. I know that I, he wrestled more, and I want to say that he's on the East Coast. I want to say he's in the Pennsylvania area. I, I think that's what it stuck out for me because I saw the potential in him, and I saw just you and the, the power. And I, I think that you led the way in that match. Obviously, you were the veteran in that match for sure. Mm -hmm. But I, I just for some reason that one sticks out to me. I can't really put a pinpoint on it, but I like the story that was told. And don't yes, I mean if we're gonna talk, okay, if we're gonna talk apples to oranges, yes, the Eli Drake one was mentioned, but I want it to be different. You said at the beginning of this message that I came with good questions. I wanted to come with a match that would surprise you. I didn't want uh, to that, say, well, well you, you and Eli it. Drake were, you and Eli Drake were great. You would have been like, cool. Yeah. I've heard that on 19 other fucking interviews. <laughs> I've done. Okay? That was great. If you would have said me and Robbie Phoenix, like, cause me and Robbie told a great story. I love Robbie Phoenix. He's uh, Joey chaos's right hand man. And he was the champion at the time. And I was chasing the belt with him and we told a good story. We told a really good story, man. Um, with his ribs, like you couldn't breathe. You know, I yes. yes, I watched that. Now I know the one you're talking about. Yes, that yeah. one was great. Yeah, and see, that's what I'm talking about. Like sometimes there's people don't see it. People are like, oh, it's just two guys fighting. Nah, there's layers to it, man. Yeah. If you if you sit down, shut up, and pay attention. Like for me personally, I don't know where your thoughts are, but for me personally, and I don't know how you are for time. I don't know where your interview blocks are. No, but um, uh, for me, one of the ultimate stories ever told is my all-time favorite match, and it's Brett versus Owen WrestleMania 10. Oh yeah. Like, if you look at layers in a match, that one had so many from technical to power to, you know, just breaking the body down. And that's, yep. that's one of the factors that I love, but I don't know in the Tyler Smith match. I just love that underdog feel that he never really had a chance to get any of his spots and the power that you showed. And that's, what's different, but the Ray Phoenix match for sure. But I was never going to mention the Eli Drake one, because I know you've heard it before and I got to be different on straight talk. I can't give you the like same it. answers. I Thank like you. it. The L.A. Knight. I hate his name. <laughs> no comment. No comment. No comment. I, think he, I, I, I want to say that he made that name himself, too. I want to say he came up with the name himself. I think I, I want to say he did. I want to say he was watching, um, you know, watching uh, Entourage. And he was like, because when Ari's trying to think of the football team, I don't know if you've watched Entourage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I literally like, just got done watching all the scenes. He's like, what do, you, what do you think about the L.A. Gold? And then the girl's like, oh, I like it. But what about the L.A. Golden Knights? And he's like. Hmm. And he's got the, that he's got like the nine cell phones in his hand and he's like, I like it. I like it. And it's just, huh. it's I, never, so, yeah. so I know he's from Hollywood and I've been to his, I, you know, I know he's from Hollywood and I've been to his house and, um, obviously I've wrestled him multiple times. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was one of the other guys that really kind of gave me a boost wrestling him. Right. He really, him wrestling me, wrestling me on impact on one of their pay-per-views, which he didn't need to do, really helped launch me into a different bracket. And the matches that we put together and we've wrestled multiple times have put me into a different bracket. And every time a promoter has asked him about me, he's always put me over. So you think it, that's a lost form in the business where sometimes a guy a guy or a girl won't put somebody else over because they outshone them in a match. And I'm not saying that that happened here, but I mean, I think that shows his character, right? That shows Eli's yeah. character because 
he could have easily said, yeah, he's, he's decent. But he said, no, nah, man, this guy's a worker. This guy will do for you what you ask. This guy will show and prove to you his ability. He didn't have to put you over, but he chose. I saw him in Texas. Like me and Ricker. Um, sorry, I call him Ricker. Sorry. Um, uh, I saw him in Texas. We were on a show in Texas. And I was, uh, another one was Chris Masters. Masters has known me since I was very green in the business to being an alcoholic and a drug addict to where I am now. Masters has always been in contact with me. That's amazing. didn't have to. That's amazing. Chris Masters. Now, why do you keep saying that? You keep saying Eli didn't have to put you over. Masters didn't have to stay, but because they, they don't. Like that's that's, that's, that's a shoot. They, they chose don't. They to. didn't. They did not have to do anything. Right. But they, they saw something to. in you. They chose yeah. to. Right. And what's what's great about these guys is like we were on a show all together on Texas. Right. We all went out to eat afterwards, and I told both these guys. If it wasn't for you guys helping me and wrestling me and teaching me, I probably wouldn't be sitting at this table with you guys right now. Wow. You know, and like that really like with, with a guy like Ricker and, you know, Adonis, it, like they were very thankful for that. And Masters, I saw Masters. When did I see Masters? I saw him. Um, did I, see? I saw him like in uh, Vegas a couple couple years ago, right? Right when I signed with Ring of Honor, I saw him. Right. And uh, he just came up to me and you had just said, Sledge, you know, like everybody else. <laughs> and uh, he was, uh, I think he was on the FSW show the next day. And uh, he was staying in the same hotel with us. And uh, he came up and gave me a big old fucking hug. You know, he's like, he just tell me how proud of him, proud of he was of me and like that meant the world to me you know that meant the world to me you know same with ricker you know meant the world to me you know and like i said you know these guys didn't have to do this you know chase owens another one dude oh I'm i love chase to, owens yeah, such a good dude one of my I'm one not, of my former guests and a great person great what a guy dude who didn't know me from adam the only beef is is that he's a green bay packers fan but i'll let it go i said it on wax in to him i will say it now He's a Packers fan. I can't, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Yes. Screw you, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Um, another one, dude, who didn't know who I was. And we tore the house down of a match that might not ever see the light of day. And we tore it down. And he was another one who put a word in for me. Wow. You know? And he's still one of my closest friends to this day. And that and isn't that cool though? It shows how big the wrestling world is, but how small it is. And yeah. a few little voices just throwing out tidbits like, yo, put stock in this dude. He's gonna go places. And the the story of redemption and, and the way everything. And I, I can honestly say that I'm proud for you, man. Just to be able to to share your story with my audience. Um and I don't, and I'm not one of those people that chases views. It gets 10 views. It gets 40 views. It gets a thousand views. I don't care. It's all about the conversation that we're having. And I have right. to say by far out of everyone that I've spoken to, and we're not done yet. Don't worry. I know you're going to get that face. Go, are we done yet? No, we're not done yeah. yet. Don't worry. But this has been one of the, this has been one of the most entertaining and honest conversations that I've been able to have on my 200 plus episodes. By the time this drops, it'll be about 205. So on my 200 plus episodes that I've, I've been able to speak to the wrestling world 
this one here has been the most honest. And I thank you for that. I really, really do. Thank you, man. That means a lot to me, man. I like, I, I'm an open book, man. And I'm like, it's crazy because, uh, um, somebody told me, you know, uh, uh, where are you located? I'm in Toronto, Canada. Well, Brampton, about 25 minutes outside Toronto, but Toronto, Toronto, Canada. So Philadelphia, uh, uh, the Eagles, right. Um, have a, um, sorry, give me two seconds. Uh, there it is. I, that's what I, he goes. Somebody came up to me in the locker room. I can tell say who it was. I'll bring it down. He goes, dude, you're Brian Dawkins. Do you know who Brian Dawkins is? No. Yeah, Brian Dawkins is a former Philadelphia Eagle. Okay. AKA Weapon X. Okay. Yes. Now that you said Weapon X, yes. Now I remember. Yes, I do. Okay. okay. He goes, dude, you're Brian Dawkins. He goes, you're the nicest fucking dude in the world. He goes, but the minute you fucking turn Sledge on, get the fuck out of the way. It's a good analogy. You know, I like he goes, it. He goes, he's, you're literally Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins is the nicest dude in the fucking world. I had no idea who Brian Dawkins was, right? Until he sent me, and I he sent me the name, and he's like, dude, you need to, you need to do this. He goes, Brian Dawkins on game day turns into Weapon X. He goes, on game day, you turn into the maniac. He goes, you put on the sledge suit, your sledge, and you're the nicest dude in the world. Get the shirt off the back. Fucking, you know, uh, I'd give my shoes to a homeless person if they need them. I, I don't care. I, I don't. Like, if, if somebody walking around barefooted, I'll give them my shoes. I, they're just shoes, you know? But that day, the day that you, that game day, the day that you wrestle, man, you turn sledge on. And I turn them on. And there's a, there's a way I turn them on. There's a way I turn the maniac on. Um, he goes, it's, you're a fucking different animal, dude. You're fucking, you're, 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 you're scary. You know, how do you turn them on? Uh, I could be just crazy. I could be in full gear and okay. he won't be on, won't be on, you know, I, uh, I turn him on dude by saying a prayer. Okay. Before I walk out the curtain, I go by myself. Uh, and I just say a little prayer, dude. I say a little prayer to my dad. I, 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 I say a prayer to, I'm not going to go into details of what I say. Of course. Of course. But, um, I'm just down on one knee and I'm just thanking for me being in the position that I'm in. And the minute I finish, I do like a little cadence, right? And I finish the cadence. I smack my knee pad, like I don't wear knee pads anymore, but I used to. Um, I smack my shins, I smack my thighs, I smack my face, and I let out this big fucking yell. And that switch goes on. Now it's time to fucking wrestle. Now it's time to fucking hurt somebody. Now it's time to fucking beat the shit out of somebody. And, and that's, you could hear it. And like everybody looked like, what the fuck? <laughs> It's crazy. Like I've never done it. I the, when I first did it in the fucking ring of honor locker room, right? And we're at Gorilla, and I always go on the outside of Gorilla. I don't want to. Everything's mic'd. I don't want people fucking hearing me fucking yell. You know, I'm on the outside. I'm fucking doing my thing. Ah, everybody's like, fuck. <laughs> 
and then it's fucking boom, it's go time. Don't fucking, has- don't fucking talk to me. Don't say shit to me. Just get the fuck out of my way. Yeah, let me go out there and do what I got to do. Yep. Tell me what way. Tell me to go, and I'll go. Yeah. We're here. We're here. Go. Go. That's go. it. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Like, like it's like three, two, one, go. Sledge, you're out. Dealer. And then, yeah. as soon, do you have to come down? Like, once you turn them on, once the match is over, when you go back through the curtain, are you are you back? Are you back I'm to back. Brian, or do you yep. have to no, come I'm down back. still? Nope, you're I'm back. back. Well, yep. as soon as the match is over, you walk through the curtain. Boom, Sledge is gone. Brian's Dang. there. Yep. Nice. That's that, and you know what? That's always fascinated me a before match ritual, and I think uh, that that has to be one of the coolest things I've ever heard. And now, now that I I, I watch, I, I again I watch ROH on a regular. Next time I know you're on the card. I'm going to turn the volume up to max and see if I can accidentally hear that yell. And if I do, I'm going to DM you and be like, I heard you yelling. It's not mic'd very well. I want to tell him to change it. <laughs> I'm on the outside, man. You can't even fucking hear it. I'm, I, I'm almost fine if you can't hear it. Maybe you can. Oh, I can't. All right. Well, yeah, one, day, I don't know. one day we're going to hear it. I guarantee yeah. it. It'll happen. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. You'll probably fucking hear it. You're like, ah, and fucking, oh, shit. Like, I'll be like, oh, cool. Sledge is on. Nice. All right. Let's go. Yeah, let's dude, yep, here it comes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, I'm ready to fucking, like, like hurt somebody. You know, it was crazy, like, when I first saw my Titan drunk. The fuck? Like, it was crazy, because, like, I um, I never seen, you know, it's, you know my Titan, my, I got a fucking video, you right, know? Right, entrance video, yeah, yeah. My yeah, entrance yeah. video, right? I never fucking seen anything like that. You yeah, know? Like, what, what the fuck is this? Crazy. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was funny, because... Um, Do you ever look at I, yourself in the entrance videos and kind of laugh a little bit? Like, oh, man, I'm so over-the-top intense. Like... No, um, no, because that's just who I am. Right. I'm an intense human being inside that fucking ring. Like, you'll see it, you know, t- when is this air? This is going to air uh, probably first week of July. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, down there. All right. Well, you know, you'll see it in all my, in all my matches. You'll see it in all my matches. That how fucking intense I am. Yeah. I walk out and I'm intense. But I'm having, but. I'm having fun though too. On the inside, I'm having a great time. Of course, you're doing like, something you love. If you weren't right. having fun, you're in the wrong business. Right. But having to, it, it was very, it was crazy because think thanks to Gator, man. Gator's amazing. He's one of the best camera guys in the fucking business. Um, when I was flown out to do TV the first time, mm-hmm. I was first match. Give me like five minutes. I think they just want to see what I look like on camera. Right. Because I don't think the matches are ever going to see the light of day, which is fine. Cool. Um, and I was doing my entrance. And it, it wasn't good. <laughs> like, I didn't know. I didn't know. It was just like, okay, go. I was like, okay, cool. So, <laughs> I went and did the match and shit. And, like, I had one the next day. And, um, and I was first again. And I was so nervous and like walked on eggshells and it's just one of those things man where it's like you're in a big company you're nervous and fucking big fish now like the, now the work's gotta start like the work was whatever but now it's like it's like you gotta you gotta make them fucking understand why they invest in why they're investing film time into you now you know and i was like yo dude can we like like when i got to the building i was like can we once you guys get everything turned on can we walk through my my entrance, please? Because I don't know what to do. 
<laughs> you know? So like, I'm so used to coming out and spitting water. Like I used to spit water a lot. Like, and it was an homage to Gangrel who had a huge hand, huge, huge hand to me. So it was like an homage to him. Like where he goes, he spits the blood for the brood. Like it's an homage to him. Right. And I'm like, well, I can't spit water because I'll spit it right onto the camera. And that's going to piss the camera guy off, you know? So, um, and they were like, yeah, don't, don't, don't spit water because it makes the stage slippery and shit. Like, don't do it. Okay. Um, so like, we got to walk through this. Like I got to walk through the whole thing. So I know where everything is, how close I need to get to the fucking camera, how, how we move when we're pausing, when we're like, that's all stuff that people don't understand is a big part of what we do. So, they, you know, Gator and, you know, Mark Brown and all the guys, man, were just great. They're like, yeah. No, you cool. said it. Mark Brown. There you go. Well, yeah. Well, Mark Brown's one of the producers. But you forgot yeah. that. You forgot Mark, Mark's. Is Mark that the Davis. Mark? Mark, Mark Davis. Yeah, right. yeah, there's so many Marks. There's so many Marks. Mark Davis is the one who's like, he'll be here by nine. Mark Davis. I got you, Mark. I got you, dog. <laughs> I can't forget about you. I got you. Because he came out to the last TV. He gave me a hug. He told me how proud of him I was. I love you, Mark. Okay. Um, our production team our production staff. Cause I used to be part of that family before I got onto the main roster. I was part of that production family, traveling the roads with them, setting up the shows with them, going through everything with them, you know? And it was just, I consider them family. I really do. And without them, the show doesn't fucking happen. Right. We're just talent. Absolutely. Without our production team, without the guys now setting up the ring, without the guys laying out the mats, the production team fucking laying cable, fucking, camera guys that make us look good on camera none of that shit fucking none of us are superstars without them 100 100 you know what i'm saying yeah, so like yeah. hats off to our production team our production we have the best fucking production in the fucking world i got the best bosses in the world you know hats off to them but like gator was one of those guys man who was like yeah let's walk through it and he's the lead camera guy so he's you know when you're getting those fucking close-up shots it's him and he's like and we're, we're talking each you know and as we're going through it we're talking you know, you know, come forward, come forward, come forward, come forward. Okay, this is where you need to be every time. Like, you need to, it's a dance. I didn't know it was a dance. It's like a dance with the entrance. I, I didn't fucking know that. You know, so, like, it's so cool to learn that stuff and learn where the handhelds are. Hard cam, boom arm, you know, so many different elements to just, and especially now since we don't have fans and we're just shooting for the audience at home. Like you need to find your hand. You you need to find the handhelds. You know they're finding you, but you need to find them as well because you're not necessarily performing for the audience in the crowd. You're uh, you're performing for the millions at home as well. So, like learning stuff like that was really really cool, and I'm still learning to this day, which is awesome. So, well, I think but, if you, I think if you stop learning, then you're dead at that point yeah. because but you never stop. You never stop learning. Never. Back to lethal when okay. I did my entrance, right? Right. Because they do this through the fog and the smoke and shit, you know. And uh, I get to the back, and Lethal comes to me and goes, "Sledge!" Like he always, he always yells at, yells at me. I don't know why he does. Just like, and he's like, "That's a cool fucking entrance, dude." And I'm like, "Thanks, man. Wasn't expecting it." <laughs> you know, like I wasn't expecting, you know, smoke. I wasn't expecting. I was expecting it just to be. Oh, there it is. You know, there, hit the ring, bro. But no, man, they really actually like the production team. And my 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 video package that they play on the Titantron, everything, man, like they really put in time to make it look good. And the fog and the, you know, everything, man. And uh, hats off to our production team for making me look like a fucking rock star. 
Yeah. Well, you are a rock star and you're one hell of a human being. And I think that is the best way to end this interview. I think it's been an absolute great conversation and it will not be the, uh, the only one that's for sure. But before I let you go, Sudge, please shout out your socials so the world can follow you. Then I'll shout out mine. Cause who knows? I mean, maybe the metalhead maniac will follow me back. That would be pretty fucking dope. Pretty dope. Are you, are you on my Twitter? I, I am on your Twitter. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, send me a message. I'll fucking follow you back. Okay, perfect. But shout out your Twitter, shout out your Instagram, shout out everything for everybody. I keep it easy, man. I, there's no need for 800 million names, dude. At Sledge805 on everything. Perfect. It's easy. Sledge it's easy. and then my area code. That's it. Boom. Easy. And, and same thing on Twitch, right? Same thing on Twitch. Twitch Twitch.tv slash Sledge805. I keep it easy for everything. Uh, man, that's the way it should I, be. It's, it's so retarded when you're like, well, you know, Instagram's, you know, this name. And then my Twitter's this name. It's like, then this, this. just go to my link tree. It's like, just type in Sledge805. You'll find me anywhere. You know? The only thing that's not Sledge805 is my YouTube because they said somebody else already had it. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so they didn't allow me to do Sledge05. It's the Metalhead Maniac. Yeah, but that's okay. The Metalhead Maniac suits you on, on, on YouTube. It's okay to be just a little tweet different because that is the nickname. I love, I do my YouTube content. Like I'm loving it. Like everything I'm doing on YouTube um, to my unbox. I like I do unboxing videos. I do any, I put my interviews up there that I do with people on coffee with sledge. I do number amount of things on my YouTube channel, man. And I like to the ring of honor bubble vlogs to you name it, man. Like I'm, I'm doing it on there. So uh, my goal is to have Steve Austin on my show. That is my goal. And you'll get him. You'll yeah, get him. 150%. 150%. Sledge. Thank you so much for the time. Dude, this has been one hell of a conversation. This is probably one of my longest interviews yet. I've never gone past an hour. I'm honored to say I did 90 minutes with you. That's huge. Yeah. Huge and I have to jump, like, I have, like, literally, like, a 10-minute break, and then I have to jump to another one. All right. Well, I didn't mean to go this long, <laughs> but the conversation no, took us there. The conversation took us there. And, my again, fault. thank you so much. And now I can say that not only am I a fan of Sledge, but I can call him a friend. And that's the coolest part of this. Absolutely. So thank you so much. Guys, don't forget to follow the socials. You'll see him at the, you'll hear him at the end of the show. Follow the socials. Find out who next week's guest is. As always, peace, love, and wrestling. See you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on Podbean. Also, check us out on YouTube at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch, check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com. Leaving the scene with no trace, none in my leave. You out of place, I'm not at the top, I'm outer space. Any with us, we're out of place. I'm doing fine, I'm feeling great. You're not my fan, you can't relate. Straight talk going state to state